Hello and welcome to another episode of Oconus, the Contractor's Life. From Washington State, I'm your host, Scott Dresser. Uh, you know, people that have been listening know this for a time. I've been talking about uh, this show is primarily about private security contractors and, for the most part, uh, veterans, uh, because we tend to be one and the same. But there's been an awful lot of feedback, and, and we've been saying for a long time that private security is just one very small aspect comparatively to all the other uh, contractors out there uh, working toward the same end, uh, doing the king's bidding, whatever you want to call it, uh, doing their deed, doing the service. Um, and and they have uh, and oftentimes they see and experience many of the same things that we do um, in in the same places. Uh, and it are often in the same potential peril and jeopardy that, that we are. Uh, so with that said, uh, uh, my, my guest uh, for this one uh, is Mr. Steve Luisi. He's a former owner of a plumbing and construction company out of New Jersey. Uh, he's been involved in real estate, general contractor, and a private contractor overseas uh, in Afghanistan and other places, uh, which he may or may not want to go into. But <laughs> So with that said, uh, let me introduce my guest for this show, Mr. Steve Luisi. Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, Scott. How you doing? I'm doing really good. Thank you very much for taking this time out of your day. Uh, you and I have had a couple of uh, interesting uh, offline conversations that have gone on for a time, uh, if I'm not mistaken, um, almost like we were long lost friends. Yeah, yeah. You just you, <laughs> n- you never know. You know, when you when you have mutual uh, experiences of, you know, random insanity it you know it's just there's a bond there (laughs) it does tend to be that way right yeah (laughs) so uh steve uh for the folks that are listening um can you uh fill in or bring them up to speed who you are and what you did um in greater detail and probably more articulated uh than than i did uh prior to starting your life as a contractor yeah well um I um I grew up in New Jersey, and I've actually been in South Carolina for 16 years, so I'm 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 almost not a Yankee anymore. <laughs> uh, moved down here for the climate, and uh, you know sometimes you just need a change in life. But prior to my move here, I owned a plumbing and construction company up there in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. It's on the coast, and. Uh, I did that for about 25 years. Uh, I grew up in that business. My my father's whole family were in it. They were developers and contractors and whatnot. So, you know, I spent childhood working for them and getting abused by them and and things of that nature. Um, I'm kidding. They were good people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really I knew nice. you were, yeah. but I'm glad you told other folks you were too. Yeah, I mean, they were scary, but they were nice. <laughs> well, maybe we should explain that uh, Luisi, for anybody who's listening, uh, and, and I only figured this out recently, but you are Italian or Italian descent, correct? Yeah, yeah, half my family are. And so, and New Jersey, so I mean, you know, hence the statement you made. Right. Yep. Um, so yeah, I ran that business for almost more than two decades. Um, and decided to move to South Carolina. My nephew had been in the South for years, and I, I liked it down here. And uh, I just needed a way to get down here. And, you know, sometimes you need a change in life. So I sold my business, 
moved as soon as my daughter graduated high school, my youngest, and uh, actually ended up running a same type of business for a local family, old Charleston family. Ended up becoming a land developer down here and then opening a kitchen design and still did the contracting work. And, you know, this is going on 30 years now. And uh, when my kids were little, I was really interested in rebuilding Kuwait after the war Mm. and uh, had all the paperwork all ready to go. And I just they were young. They were, you know, five year old and like that. Little little kids. So I decided not to go because I wanted to stay home and raise them. But it had been in the back of my mind for years. So after my um, my kitchen design company, um, after I closed it, actually, closed it because uh, I had a partner. You know, we all have partners. Partners are for dancing. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just it was stressful, you know, and uh, I closed it. And uh, decided I wanted to be a military contractor, made a left turn, and I ended up in Southwest Asia. Wow. Okay. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you, you mentioned Kuwait. So uh, you said fixing or rebuilding Kuwait. So I'm assuming you're referring to what we uh, sometimes refer to as the first Gulf War after we kicked Saddam out in the 90s. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so when you finally start now, what year was it when you took on your first contract and actually went overseas outside the country? I left the States in 11. So it was, uh, trying to remember it was late August. Okay. And the summer. All right. So late summer 2011. Okay, so things were still things were still kicking along. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that was still uh, we were still in the surge time at that point in Afghanistan. Oh yeah, yeah. And definitely. to some extent in Iraq as well, even. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So uh, yeah. So um, you know, let the full. Uh, so what was it like? Um, you know, because that's usually an eye opener for a lot of people when they get outside the U.S. Uh, they say, well, I've been to Canada, I've been to Mexico, we take <laughs> vacations here, we take vacations there. And it's like, well, yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> more power to you. But it's right. not the same when you're not on the beaten path. This is no postcard, no postcard tour, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for the folks that are listening, can you explain to them uh, as best as you can recollect from your viewpoint, your perspective, what it was like for you uh, and what maybe you were thinking and went through um whenever it started you know whether it started when you when you got to the airport and realized it's for real or when you first got off the plane what it was like just walk us through that whole thing yeah um well the plane ride obviously was forever so that's your (laughs) that's your first eye opener you feel like you're never going to get off right (laughs) and uh you know, before we left the States, after the training, I watched people. One guy fell down and had like a nervous breakdown. He realized he, you know, he didn't want to do it. Wow. I saw somebody else just not go, you know. So people, for me, it wasn't, I mean, it was obviously a big deal doing something like that when you come from a, when you were, you know, a civilian. But um, um, I remember being the staging point for that war was Dubai for a lot of contractors. 
So I remember being in the hotel. We just had gotten there. It was the middle of the night, you know, jet lag and all that. Mm. And I remember one of the one of the contractors, the guy looked like, you know, he was road hard and put away wet. You know, the typical a lot of these guys would have been on a pirate ship 300 years ago, you know, mm. but in today's times, they end up as, you know, construction guys. Nothing against. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of them. So, <laughs> you know, they're a rough crowd, though. <laughs> but I Some remember, of them sure can be. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember the why I, I was I was walking down the hallway and one of the contractors was asking one of the staff at the, the hotel. And it was a nice hotel. He asked the staff member if, where he could get a drink. And then he asked when he could drink. And the other question was, could he drink in the room? <laughs> huh. So this was somebody that had never been out of the States and never been in a Muslim country. See that, you know, it was a big, uh, it was, uh, I think some of these guys were just, they didn't realize that they couldn't go down to the corner bar and have a beer after work until they got, you know, until they, until they were in the Middle East. Right. Um, so that was a big uh, that was a big change. It didn't bother me because, you know, I, I was I, I knew it was going to be like that. Um, and of course, obviously, the living conditions are not like they are when you're home. Um, and for us, I mean. For you guys, for the, the war fighters and people like that, I mean, they live hard, a lot of them, you know, and uh, for me. I, I it's a lot easier, but still totally different coming from a civilian background. A lot of people have never been out of their home state, you know, then you ship them to some other country where English is definitely a second language. You know, the culture is totally different. I remember walking around that city at night, you know, just get at dusk and it was like. I was like the only American or Westerner at one point that I could see anywhere. <laughs> right. You know, and uh, yeah. you're just not used to having that feeling, you know. Right. Um, and it's just the feel. I know you've experienced this, but the feel of being at, at a different point on the planet. At a different latitude, the climate's totally different. You know, it's just it smells different. Uh you can't, you know, just uh, on all those levels. Right. It's, you know, it's, I the, the thought that, that frequently ran through my mind and that came to mind right now when you were talking about it. And, and tell me if you had something similar, um, but especially at dusk um, as the sun's going down, um, you, you, it, it gets it can get eerily quiet out there in the desert. Um, and and you're looking around. And if you're not downtown or in the city, it's almost like being on another world. Yes. I yes. mean, that that was I don't know how better to say it. It just it, oftentimes when I'm looking around, it just did it feel like that to you when you're looking around at dusk and, and you're going, wow. I mean, it just it's it, because every it's just like everything's upended. Everything's different. Everything's changed. Yeah. Well, the stars are in a different location in the sky. Yep. And. Uh, again. You know, in in the in Muslim countries, I mean, Westerners, especially Americans, aren't used to hear hearing a call to prayer, and that's completely different. 
Oh, the the big audio that goes out over the yeah. over the yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it bounces yeah, the, off the mountains, which is really eerie. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, and that takes a little mountain. adjusting, doesn't it? Yeah. Yep. Uh yes. The and the, the dusk, you know, no uh daylight savings time. So you know, it gets darker earlier. That's another thing we're not used to. And just, I think the, um, it's just such a different lifestyle, you know? I mean, especially when you're traveling to get to and fro, to get from one point A to point B, sometimes in country, you know, you end up at these places where, you know, you're sleeping on a mattress that a thousand other soldiers have just slept on and, you know, you get poked in the ribs with the, you know, the box spring or the mattress spring. <laughs> yeah. And you sleep in your clothes. You know, and there's, uh, you yeah. know, stuff like that. I mean, just <laughs> like taking a shower. I got a hundred stories about that. I mean, oh my God, you know, you get sick. There's no doctors. I mean, you got the, you got a medic, right? You know, and uh, they just tell you to drink water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, drink a lot of water. You'll be okay. Right, <laughs> man. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, there, there, you're right. There, there's a lot of stuff that unless you're truly uh, injured or sick, uh, it, 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 it's hard. You can probably do a better job than I can articulating it, but I think you're hitting on, on something there that uh, even the showers, like you were saying, or sleeping. I mean, you, you don't go, you typically don't go to bed with your pajamas on. You don't no. wake up with them on. You don't just roll out of bed and get into your easy slippers and and slide across the floor and have a cup of coffee and turn on the TV and watch the news. I mean, some guys did that in some places, some of the nicer contracts. um, Mm -hmm. But that was that that certainly was not the standard. Um, Yeah. And and oftentimes just to take a shower or to go to the toilet. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm sure you had experiences where, you know, and and tell the folks as much as you want to. Um, you know, I mean, you, you got to use the facilities, whether it's for the shower or brushing your teeth. I mean, what do you got to do? It, it's a chore, right? Uh, it's a total chore. And, 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 you know, to make matters worse, they put me in charge of a lot of this stuff. So it was like, if it didn't work, like everybody was looking at me, like, you know, like, you know, with the look with the evil eye. So I, I remember, I remember trying to take a shower after about four days being on the road. I was in Afghanistan I wouldn't even say the name of the camp, but I got in there. You know, you walk over. It was dead winter. It's colder than hell, and you know, over there in the winter time, mm-hmm. and uh, wasn't feeling good. You know, but I said to myself, "I'm going to take a shower today. I don't care what I have to do. I'm going to find some hot water." So I walked through the ice and snow with my Crocs on, and you know, I'm half frostbite. It's about a, a hundred yards. Get in there realized i didn't have any soap because i was just in a rush and i forgot a towel too oh man and i got the water you know and it's so i'm I'm just desperate now so i just uh knocked the old uh gasoline type soap dispenser off the wall and i had soap huh and uh you know use paper towels but i mean that was one time and i was just still so happy i was like i'll figure this out you know (laughs) I think the next time I went to that same one months later, this one little head, uh, I got in there and soaked up <laughs> and the water went totally off. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, I was like, all right, now what do I do, you know? Wow. Yeah. So, 
I think they waited till I got in there to shut it off. <laughs> but you, you know, know that's, that, that stuff's comedy. You know, it doesn't really. But when you're not like, you know, you got a case of the crud. You know, the thing we used to get over there. It's this flu-like yeah. disease that just knocks you right down at the knees. And uh, you know, you still got to show up. But, right. You know, it was a lot of fun, and there's always comedy and a little bit of pain. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, in the in those things that we that we so f- just take for granted, um, like you talked about, you know, you you get there and you realize you forgot your towel, or you forgot your soap, or you forgot your toothbrush or your toothpaste. You know, depending on where you're at, that's uh, you know, you got a hundred yard walk to go back to get it. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. You don't know whether to cry or laugh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and in a shower. In that kind of setting, uh, just the simple act of that warm water coming down on you on a cold day or cool water on a hot day. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to describe just how how comforting that can be. Right. It's the world's greatest luxury. I'll tell you, (laughs) I still I'll never look at a shower, taking a shower again the same way. (laughs) <laughs> even in my fancy bathroom down here in Charleston, you know, I got the ports and all this. I go in there. I'm like, yes, I don't have shoes on. There's not 15 other guys in here. <laughs> well, and, and there and there is a certain uh, what we call it, lack of privacy oftentimes on these sorts of projects. Is that correct? There is no there's not a lot of privacy at all. <laughs> <laughs> at all yeah i guess i use the term loosely right okay uh, so yeah. so you got into dubai and you were there for you probably didn't spend a long time there before you shipped off but uh so how did that go so you got in dubai you were there how long and then you went to afghanistan what four days later yeah something like that three or four days what might have yeah once you're in dubai it's pretty much you're waiting for a, a charter you know and then you're then you're flying over uh some uh, really nice countries I won't even get into that. Right. But uh, um, Dubai is, you know, Dubai. It's like it's it's such a paradox. You know, you stay there and then you go to a third world country that's been at war for 30 years. You go back to Dubai and Dubai is one of the richest countries in the world. So, you know, I spent a lot of time in that city because it was a staging point. So anytime you left, you'd end up there. And depending on, like, if you were going home, sometimes you'd be there for a while. You'd be there for four days, you know. But I got to know the city very well. I mean, I'd get there, and first thing I'd do is head to this Dubai mall. I don't know if anybody's ever been to Dubai, but, like, you go, I'm not a mall guy. I'm just a, you know, a blue-collar guy. But you go to this place, and it's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's just like... uh, indoor aquarium you know ice rink things like that i mean just the the most the best of the best of the best and you know you're still you know feeling like beat up from sleeping in bunks and riding in you know military convoys and whatnot and um i the first thing i do i'd go to this french french uh department store they had the whole top of the store was food that's all i cared about uh, you know <laughs> i'm gonna go for some chow you know i'd get right get on the train you know get on the, the tram and just head right there and 
some beautiful girl would have a cheese plate. It was like it was like almost going to heaven there for a while, you know. And she'd walk right. up to you and you'd have cheese and <laughs> uh, that was that well, was. It, uh, it is such a stark contrast, like you're saying. I mean, you know, you leave home, you land in Dubai, and it's kind of like okay, it's like going from a three class a three star hotel to a five star hotel. Yeah. And then and then you go to work in another country, and it's like whoa. This is something yeah. like straight out of a movie. Yep. And then one, two, three, four months later, you, you go back to Dubai and 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 it is kind of surreal. It's I mean, you just like and you're, you know, and the, the mall you're talking about, um, I never went there, um, but there were reasons for that. Um, uh, mostly I, I, I was a nervous passenger. I didn't I, you know, and the process going in and out of that airport was just it's like I didn't want a chance um, getting kicked from the flight. But uh, I get you know, that. <laughs> but totally. people people have told me and, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard that that ice rink you're talking about they also have downhill skiing inside a huge structure they built. It, it's all man-made. Is that correct? Yeah, that's in the um, I think that's in the Emirates Mall. I know that city well. I stayed there for a week uh, with my wife came to meet me, and you know many times I can I know mm. that city like the back of my hand. Um, yeah, they have an ice rink. It's in another mall, but it's, it's a full blown, I mean, not ice rink. It's a full blown ski slope. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty crazy. And it's in the middle of the desert, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've heard yeah. and read about that stuff and I, I've seen stuff about it on TV. I think, you know, like, uh, you know, what like documentary type stuff. Yeah. And, and aren't they the same? Isn't that the same country or maybe it's the UAE, somebody else, uh, Qatar. So, but I thought it was Dubai that did that big um, tree looking island thing out there. There's this massive creation that they did out there in the in the in the sea. Is, is that yeah. the same one? That's Dubai. Dubai is part of the UAE, the UAE, okay. the United Arab Emirates. And right. these are all principalities. They're a part of that same uh, confederation. So you have Dubai, Qatar, or Qatar, um, Abu Dhabi. I okay. think that's it. Yeah, that's the same. It's on the uh, Arabian Peninsula on the west. Right. You okay. look at a map. Yeah. So, yeah, so I've flown in and out of those various locations and, and only spent time as far as, you know, you know, uh, falling asleep and waiting for the next flight. Um, wanted to do the tourist thing, you know, get out there and spend some time, but um, was just never there long enough. You know, I guess I could have, it, you know, on my rotation out if I said, hey, honey, I'm going to take three or five days here and just relax and enjoy, you know, and then I'd have heard all about it <laughs> from her. <laughs> yeah. But, you yeah. know, doing it without her. Oh, really? You've been gone for three or four months and you want to, you know, you can't. I thought you wanted to get. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I totally I didn't really. I was always stranded there for a couple of days. So it was either, you know, huh. after you got a good night's sleep, you mean you wanted to just, you know, I had time. I would never. Um. You know that feeling about missing a flight. That's mm-hmm. no joke when you're 8,000 miles away and you haven't been home forever. You know, right. you don't want to do that. So, you know, anywhere near any when it got close in time, I just hang out at the hotel. But if I had a couple days, you know, what I mean, right, you know, and that's why I got to do that. But 
Right. And that would be a whole different thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, you know, if I, I think the most I ever had, and it happened a few times, I think was, uh, you know, approximately roughly right around 24 hour layover. And, you know, and I knew guys that would take off, you know, they wanted to go this. And it's like, yeah, well you go ahead you know, I'm going to stay here. <laughs> you know, I, hey, just, I, I mean, I, I missed flights, but they were, they were out of my control and, and the company understood. And it was really not, in the end analysis, it was never a big deal. But if you do it on your own, mm, then oh, it's no. a problem. It's not a good thing. Right. Not, not a good <laughs> thing at all. <laughs> well, going back, it's a bad thing. Going, You're leaving. They don't care what you do. Right. You could miss all the flights <laughs> you want. You're a big enough That's idiot true. to get stranded in the Middle East when you could be home with your wife. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah. you know, and, and a lot of a lot of guys, I mean, the, there's places all over the globe that people go when they don't go home and they want, you know, take a little time off. But, uh, uh, you know, and you typically hear about stuff like the Philippines. And uh, but, you know, uh, my guess is that probably more guys spend a little bit of time there in the Middle East, like Abu Dhabi or Dubai as you did and, and and you enjoyed it right oh yeah i mean those places are great they treat westerners and particularly americans very well you know i mean it's it's pretty safe there's cameras everywhere the trams and they you know they're all above ground so they're they're not subways but they're in the air they're, i mean the stations are beautiful mm. and people are you know i mean you get weird looks cuz you know let's face it you know but most people are just genuinely friendly. Hmm. Uh, yeah. you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because we we've in the conversations we've had uh, offline, um, you know that's that came up. And uh, go ahead and expound on that. But I mean that that's something that that, that keeps getting hammered away at. Uh, you know, in, in yeah. my discussions with people. So go ahead, people expound are, on that. People are nice, but one thing I would definitely advise anybody to never do in Dubai, never get your laundry done in Dubai. Mm. Yeah, I was I was there. Uh, was actually on a medical thing. I had an ear infection. That's another whole story. <laughs> but uh, staying in a hotel, and uh, you know, the girl said at the front desk, "Well, you know, we have." Well, I think I asked her because I just, you know, you don't like to go back with dirty laundry, you know. Keep everything clean, you know what I mean? Tight, sure, you know. No, so I said, Yeah, no problem. Uh, she told me they had laundry send out, so I said, Okay, I'll, I'll bring a bag down and think think twice about it. Went and had dinner. I think the next morning she called me, I come down to the front desk, and uh, she gave me a small package. I mean, it wasn't a lot of stuff, it wasn't a ton of laundry, it was maybe you know, it was like 10 inches high. You know, some shirts and pants and whatnot. So I'm looking, I'm looking at the bill. It was three hundred dollars. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. So I'm like not feeling well anyway. You know, I can be a little snippy. I did grow up in New Jersey. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I could have bought all my own. I could have bought all new clothes. Right. Why did I have to send T-shirts out to get cleaned? And they put these little nice tags on them. But uh, that's Dubai. <laughs> right. Well, you know, yeah. and it's interesting, uh, you talked a little night, I mean, uh, their service uh, throughout the Middle East, uh, when it comes to service, it is, you can almost not say enough about it. I mean, just down to the finest, smallest detail that you wouldn't typically consider. Yeah. But outside of, say, uh, the contract where you're operating, 
you get back to the real world, like, you know, you're talking about Dubai or some other country, uh, the price tag just went up dramatically. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just uh, that's nothing to them. You know, (laughs) it was the richest country in the and the richest city in the country in the world at that point. Right. I mean, it's like New York prices, you know, squared. Right. <laughs> well, you know, and we've talked and people have brought up and talked about the caste class system, what this, that one thing, another. Um, and, you know, that's just the way it is. And, and, and it's not just in the Middle East. Um, it seems to be uh, magnified, perhaps there. But uh, on that note, I mean, I remember to this day and I'm not the only one that's that's seen it or noticed it. Um, and I don't remember which bank it was, but it was in Kuwait. And they were, you know, they had this special area in the bank mm-hmm. with a sign. And I don't remember exactly how it read, but something about for those of us who have at least 10,000 Kuwaiti dinar in our bank account, you get to go in this line and get special treatment service. And they got, you know, the the coffees and the teas and, and the pastries mm-hmm. and and, uh, you know, some standoff security guards out there too. It's like, wow. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, but that, I'm just saying that harkens to, to their sensibilities and, and their sense of service, um, which maybe goes back to the Muslim culture. I don't know, but it, it just, it, there is a sense of service, but you, you do pay for it outside uncle Sam's purview. So I mean, for sure. Um, uh, so, so when you were in Afghanistan, now how, for the folks that lose, how long were you in Afghanistan off and on over the years? 20 months. Okay. Um, now, can you, are you at liberty to tell anybody, the people that are listening, who you worked for or who the contract was for, what you did there? Um, I won't say who I work for, okay. but I will say, um, I mean, it was obviously for the, the U.S. government. Okay. Um, we took care of the... Uh, all the camps we took care people will know which company that was but i'm just not going to really get into that um so anywhere any fob you know any major camp the company had um they had the whole thing so they did the food they did the infrastructure they did the it they did all of it wow so yeah um it's funny you don't realize though but a lot of these these big uh, contracting companies, engineering companies that work all over the world, they hire a lot of OCNs too. So it's not just, I mean, you're almost a minority mm. when you're an American. So you don't realize this, but, you know, people from other countries, a lot of them were from like East Bloc countries prior to, you know, the fall of communism. Mm. They're they're responsible for the billeting. So, you know, it's a very uh, it's a rude awakening when you you go to get, you know, you go to get a hooch, you know, you, you show up to get to figure out where to go. And uh, you get the worst one <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I won't say that some of us haven't experienced what you're talking about. Um, some of some I think uh, at at one point, it was it was sometimes referred to as uh, the uh, former Soviet bloc mafia. But, um, you know, uh, that's the yes. way it, it felt sometimes. I mean, it didn't really affect us, but you could just kind of tell, sense that thick 
something in the air that, you know, um, they they were very guarded about what they said. And, and you could tell they were looking over at what we would call their minders. It's <laughs> <Yes. laughs> like, wow. <laughs> yes. OK. I, yeah. I mean, there were good people. I mean, what once you you know, once I was there a while and I established some relationships. Right. Right. You know, I would get imperialist bed. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but but, uh, you know, they they stuck together. So and it's just not. That's another thing that Americans, you know, when you're in a, a place like that, it's not just just being in a foreign country. You're working with other people from other groups of people from other countries. So, right. you right. know, it's 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 all at once. Right. Um, yeah. And, and if you've not experienced that, it, it kind of, you know, um, I'm trying to remember. I remember the uh, it's it's it. The feeling I'm trying to describe is, is the first time I felt that when because you're right, all this stuff comes at you from all angles and it's all at once. And and it takes you a week or two, maybe a little bit longer to kind of, you know, get back to your senses and not feel like you've just blown up. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, you lost uh, your mind. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, you can almost, uh, you know, get that you get that feverish headache kind of thing it just because your, your your mind feels like it's cooking from all this stuff there's just so much being thrown at you um but yeah eventually you get a grasp on it so uh so now did you know when you were there so were you in a position of uh supervisory or management or were you just another worker bee actually they hired i was i was a plumber over there so i don't know why but um yeah, I didn't get hired as a as a manager. Um, don't ask me why. I mean, I owned a business forever, but <laughs> that's the way it goes. You know, it's somebody's brother-in-law or whatever. And, you know, over there we had the other countries, too, that would, you know, and I was I was new to it, you know. So I just, you don't you don't just that's how life is. You don't just uh, start it even in the middle sometimes, even though, you know, you might have more experience than anybody. Um mm. But that you know that's that's the way it goes with with companies with some of these cultures. So we we still ran everything. <laughs> it, it was just a title. Huh. Um, what what was the question? I'm sorry. Well, I mean, so yeah, when you were over there, uh, you know, not only what you did, and you answered it by saying plumber, but were you in a supervisory or management capacity, or were you just another worker bee? I was a worker bee, but there was only. Um, like 10 they hired like eight master plumbers people that had business experience and whatnot they just didn't give us the title but Hmm. we had uh i had 12 afghanis that worked for me so you know the money was good so i didn't really care about you know what and you know supervise people for years i mean it's not all it's cracked up to be right (laughs) so i was okay with that but i still had a lot of responsibility um so I had the Afghans who were my workers. I just didn't have any uh, American or, you know, like British subordinates. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. That's basically. And, and, that, and, that, and now, particularly outside the private security sector, that what you just said, that's not an uncommon thing. Is that correct? Yeah, it's pretty common. Okay. Right, because it seems to me, and especially as the years went on, we just saw more and more of that, yeah. uh, of what you talk about, you know. And interestingly, and I won't go into detail, but uh, there was a particular project on a contract where um, the 
prime contractor was a U.S. based company. The prime subcontractor, uh, I won't mention the country, but they were, you know, somewhere in the Mediterranean, Middle East area. Mm-hmm. And, and you noticed because of that mix, the, the majority, the vast majority of the people on that project that weren't security were from the Mediterranean slash uh, Middle East region. Right. And there is, a, aside from all the, you know, the customary stuff that they engage in, um, for lack of a better term, and, and, you know, don't beat me up if I if I say it uh, the non-PC way, but there was just an awful lot of, uh, uh, you know, brother, you know, scratching my back, I'll scratch yours, uh, this is my friend, this is my neighbor, this is my uncle, this is my cousin, you know, and that's why we hired them kind of thing. Uh, oh, yeah. Did, yeah, so, uh, so... You know, you're you're probably well versed with that in your in your industry, correct? Oh yeah, it was it was I mean, especially over there with the, uh, you know, it, look, it's the nature of the world a lot of times, but in these countries that were, um, you know, uh, not very tight knit cultural uh, or situations in these countries. I mean, it was really like you know. The family got hired and, and <laughs> they hired their other family members. The biggest problem I had with that over there was uh, people with uh, fraudulent resumes. OK, just, you know, a lot of these trades, people just straight up lied because mm. you knew it because they didn't even know what the names <laughs> the tools were, you know. Wow. And uh, you'd see that once in a while with uh somebody from the west Mm. but usually i mean if you had you know like my classification that's not something you can really lie about um but yeah you saw a lot of that and they were desperate for people you know at one point you know Mm. because there wasn't a lot of skilled people there for over the years i mean let's face it who who in their right mind wants to go work in afghanistan when you could stay (laughs) home in your own bed (laughs) you know Especially when the economy's good, you know what I mean? You right. know, and see your friends on the weekend and your wife and your family, you know, do normal stuff. Go to a movie, you know, who the hell would want to do that, you know? Right. right. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, you know, for some of us in hindsight, but uh, for others, you know, there. but I'm just saying there are there are people out there that that, you know, that's just that is um, what's that term? Uh, wanderlust or whatever. I mean, they just. You know, that's that's their thing. They they enjoy it. And and, and that lifestyle. Um, yes. And I'm I not going to lie. I, I kind of miss that lifestyle. Me too. Uh, but um, but it's not lost on me at all. I mean, uh, the, the convenience uh, of being home. I mean, I was overwhelmed the day I finally called it quits. I mean, and, and every time I came home on rotation and as the years went on, it, it, that that sense of, of wonderment and wow factor increased uh, more than the time before. Every time I came home, it's like, wow. I mean, just it's like, look at all this stuff. And, and it's yeah. right at my fingertips. And it's right here on tap, on demand. <laughs> I know. It's hard. It was overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. 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 Um, so now when you were over there, uh, you 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 also I mean, you, you, you throughout your day, the course of the week, the month, I mean, you would 
come across all kinds of people, whether it's in the chow hall or what have you. Um, so you mixed and mingled with military and private security and people from all walks of life and all all uh, job titles, right, and descriptions. Absolutely. Um, you know, I'd have sometimes I'd have lunch with the CEO. Sometimes I'd have lunch with the uh, Dutch national national police. I got friendly with them for whatever reason. Mm. Um, my uh, roommate, who I became really good friends with, was ex-military, so he um, he knew a lot of people too. And you know, we 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 uh, spent time with some very interesting, you know, just just in the military, so many different uh, different job titles and people that did different things, you know. Right. For that. And, you know, there were so many militaries over there. I mean, you could be with the French military one day, the Brits, whoever, the Aussies. The Mongolians right. were fun. I really enjoyed them. Mongolia. Yeah, they were great. I love wow. those guys. Yeah. You know, I think now that you bring it up, uh, I think I do remember hearing about it. And maybe I met some and came across them and didn't realize it. I don't know. Um, oh, you, you would know. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> there were, uh, I'm trying to Kazakhstan. I do remember Kazakhstan, um, you know, people from there and stuff like, um, you know, and the Gurkhas. I mean, I mean, you know, you know, yeah. saw, um, you know, and probably saw more than I realized, um, you know, but I was still pretty focused on, on what I was trying to do. Um, yeah. So but uh, I mean, but in, in your in your experiences over there, it, you know, with these people you met, is there, I'm sure, I know you've got lots of stories. We've talked about them offline, um, but which ones you want to talk about right now? Uh, uh, you know, but I mean, is, can you uh, share an experience, an event or a time that you recollect that, that kind of, you know, harkens to the theme of what we're talking about um, without, you know, all the blood and gore? Right. Like, um, um, like, what do you want to know specifically? Well, um, you know, if, if you were a security contractor, you know, it, it's like, you know, is there a story that, you know, when you went outside the base or something that happened on the base, oh, that, you know, but as a as a plumber or as a as a tradesperson or whether it was, you know, during one of your stays on rotation. I mean, you okay. know. Yeah. yeah, just something that that you know is like you know it, it could have and would have only happened. It would not have happened if I wasn't here and if I hadn't experienced it and and it had an impact on you maybe. Yes, well that was about every day, but um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I remember. Yeah, I mean you know, well we uh we had a lot of situations over there that uh, the roads would go black and. You know, you know what that means. We, well, I, I do, and so do you, but but you it, clarify for the people that are listening that maybe don't. Yeah, it means that uh, there's an attack and they just shut down everything. So no, nothing moves. Right. So the roads go black. And when you're in a country like uh, a lot of these third world countries, but Afghanistan, they don't. Um, these camps sit on basically like big cesspools. So everything gets there's no infrastructure. So you know the like a a, a pump that pumps your uh, septic tank out. That those things come all day long. So and they'd hit those by the way, you know, mm. with RPGs. Must have been lovely, mm. you know. 
Um, <laughs> so when they stopped coming, that would mean that nobody could use the bathrooms. Mm. That would mean that you had to shut off some of these buildings. And uh, at one point I was stationed in, in the city, in the capital city. And old, you know, Kabul is ancient. So you're trying to fight. And they would send me out, always me. I was friendly with the logistics guy because I was the older guy and, you know, just had more experience to find these ancient valves of these buildings that were buried and mm. nobody knew where they were. Nobody ever did the site plan. You know, the guys that were there before me, they were like, I don't care. I'm going home. You know, <laughs> nobody ever wrote anything down. So when you had a situation like that, make a long story short, I ended up with the Mongolian army one day in the green zone with a point man so we didn't get shot this is right after a major attack they tasked me with running through alleys with these dudes shutting buildings on and trying to find where to shut them on (laughs) yeah so that was that was a that was an adrenaline day (laughs) Uh, it was very important though because you know we all need water you can't you, you know you can't you can't live without water so Right. Um, yeah. You can you can exist without food for a while, but I don't know. What is it like three days or four days? I mean, you're in trouble. Yeah, it, it's it, and it depends on the climate you're in. Uh, yeah. But but uh, I think the, the standard answer is. Days. Um, I, I've heard you can go as long as five under, quote unquote, optimal conditions <laughs> but <laughs> right. I'm, not, I'm not sure what you know and especially if you tanked up before you knew that was going to happen that 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 you know that sounds plausible but uh anyway uh right. no that's interesting because um i don't i'm not going to say that we didn't have that issue that you're talking about with the so-called plumbing yeah. Uh, but I do remember that being an issue on a number of occasions with what we call the sandy cans porta potties whatever you want to have call it yeah. Uh, for, for a variety of reasons. Um, and sometimes uh, being a guy uh, w- was a blessing out there because it was like, oh, well, I'll just go do it out here. <laughs> oh, yeah. The women, the women had it a lot harder. <laughs> right. For sure. Oh, man. But OK. It, yeah. Um, <laughs> go ahead, Scott. Ask me some more questions. You better if you lead because <laughs> I'll just talk, I'll just talk and talk and talk. Well, and and that's okay too because probably uh, people would rather hear you talk than me anyway. Um, I mean, you know, and and, it, and it's about you. It's uh, but uh, so now, where can you tell people what cities or province you you worked in in Afghanistan? I mean, if you don't want to tell them the name of the camp or the base, that's fine. We get it. Yeah, I was in Kabul province. Okay, and that and that's a rich, that's a city of rich history. Um, and, and, you know, you kind of hearkened on it earlier, but they are, they tend to be for the most part, I think not unlike most peoples and cultures, they tend to be pretty proud people. Um, but also, but, but, but they can also be quite humble and, and, uh, uh, servile, um, you know, if, if, if they take a liking to you, um, yes, uh, that's a good point. And I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because I can't say enough good things about the Afghan people. Obviously, you know, not the um, surgeons and Taliban. Well. <laughs> was really friendly with them. But um, the that culture, they're very 
very hospitable. And, uh, you know, the funny thing is they've had so many years of war and strife over there. But I found that most of the guys and I, you know, I was with them all day long, so I got to know them very well. Um, they had the great sense of humor. I mean, they, they were lighthearted and nothing really seemed to bother them. Mm. Yeah, the, the opposite of what you would think. I mean, I don't know how many laughing sessions I had with them out in the field. Oh, my God, they, they would make me laugh. And I, um, you know, when you're in these places, you work out a lot. You you try to find things to do when you're not. We're always working. You know, it's a 12 hour a day, seven day a week gig, whether it's Christmas, Easter, New Year's, what have you. I mean, you don't have any days off until you leave. But you do have your nights off. So, you know, you find things to do at night that you can't watch a video every night. I mean, you're just you you, you become very robotic if you do that. So you have to figure out something to do to make yourself feel human. So I went to NATO school and. And uh, after after work and learned the language, I hmm. learned, you know, I became semi fluent. I have all the paperwork and everything just so I could, uh, you know, it's good to know, too. Right. Good to know what people are talking about, especially if they don't like you. Um, <laughs> especially. <laughs> least, yeah, yeah. And I didn't have that problem, you know, but it's good. Uh, it's good to be, especially in places like that, aware of your surroundings. You right. know, because you've unfortunately, you know, you're in a country where a lot of people don't like you. Well, that's uh, true. That's true. But uh, and, and we're just being honest. I mean, you yeah. know, that happens here in America, too. So it's not like we're racist or anything, but we're just saying, I mean, it's a fact. It's a matter of fact. They, they, you know, they're some of them just don't like us because we're American. Well, yeah, you're in their country and that uh, it's human nature, basically. Right. But, uh, you know, they. It's funny, though. When you're in these places and I've been other places besides there, you, you always see the guy walking down the street with a Tommy Hilfiger hat on or a Yankee hat on. It's like no matter wow. where you go in the world, American yeah. culture has, you know, it's affected right. where you are. You know, it's just it's it's kind of it's another eye opener. You know, the, I found well, uh, good Scott. Well, you know, that that's interesting because, uh, you know, I didn't see it a lot, but I did see it occasionally, maybe more often. Maybe I just stopped paying attention to it after time. But uh, there were times when I I'd, I'd do a second or third look and go, that guy's in uniform and I'm not not an American, mm. but um, an Iraqi or Afghan. And they're wearing high top sneakers. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I just when you when you talked about, you know, the influence of American culture, that thought went through my mind. It's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some good, some bad. Right. Right. Like I was, <laughs> well, yeah. You know, take that cue. Yeah. No. And, and I'm, I wasn't judging. I was just like surprised. Wow. You know, um, but, you know, you know, culturally, you know, I think. You know, people are biased from every country, every culture, every race, ethnicity, whatever word you want to use. There's just a certain segment of people in in each country where that's that's just the way it is. That's the way they grew up. That's how they were. You know, they've heard that all their life. Um, Call it inculcated or indoctrinated, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there's those that for whatever reason, it just it's kind of like, yeah, they heard it in 
to some extent they believe it, but they don't completely buy it, whether they get out and see the world or not. But it seems like those who get out and see the world, uh, some of them become more jilted. <laughs> you know, they just reaffirms whatever they were taught yeah. and thought. Yeah, I knew they were no good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then for others, it's like, wow, what an eye opener. And, and, and I'm not going to go into detail because, again, this show is not about me. But I, I can man, there were times where it's like, you know, they they could just tell that I was just a genuine person. I was in a little bit of distress um, yeah. and, and they came to my rescue, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and in no small measure sometimes. And it was like, wow, refreshing. Um so, uh, you, you know, I, you had that experience, I presume. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, there's an unspoken language with human beings. And really, I mean, some people you communicate better with that don't even speak your own language. It's mm-hmm. just, you know, you really can. People do know what you think. You know, they can tell. You right. know, they can tell by your body language. They know if you're you know, full of malarkey or whatever. And, uh, you know, you meet good people everywhere. You know, no, that, I mean, that's an interesting point because people often say, well, you don't know what I'm thinking. You can't read my mind. It's kind of like, mm. well, I can't do that Dr. Spock thing and, you know, or Mr. Spock, and, and, you know, do the mind <laughs> meld. You're right. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. But I think you just touched on something that's important. And, 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 and there's nothing wrong with this saying it because it's true. We all know. We all would have experienced that. We may yeah. not have it 100 percent precise, but we know damn well that you know. you're not happy, you know, or that you don't like me or that you're uncomfortable, whatever. Yeah. No, I totally get you. Yeah, I believe that 100 percent. And people do believe that they, they, they do know that in, in the Afghans, Iraqs, whoever. Um yeah, I think that they do. They can sense those things. And maybe that's part of security. That's just part of uh, the human security factor where, you know, call it the fear factor, whatever you want. Um, that's what helps us survive. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and I think that's what they sense when they sense that you, Steve Luisi, are a good dude. And, you know, and if you're in trouble, they'll help you out. If you need some help with this or that, whatever it is, you know, um, they'll help you. Um, you know, but, uh, but, but still they are under a lot of duress every day and they every know day. it and, and they'll tell you about it and you can, and you can see it, you can pick up on it, um, uh, because there are people out there constantly looking and listening and looking to, um, you know, I used to overhear the arguments and the, and, you know, and ask the interpreters and sometimes they didn't want to talk about it with the other people around because, um, the, I remember one time they put it. This is an Afghan affair. It doesn't involve you guys. You know, mm-hmm. it's not your matter. Um, right. And, it, you know, I won't go into the back and forth on that. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's their life every day because their system of government, their, the, the way their, their culture, the way they're brought up, um, because we're the outsiders. Um, so, yeah, there, there's, there, there can be a lot of stress, but there can also be uh, sometimes immense moments. Moments of immense um, um, relief and, and and recognition that we're all human at the at, at, at the at the end of the day, you know, and that's what it's about. Um, yeah. So so your experiences there in Afghanistan, <laughs> um, you mentioned the winters uh, can be pretty cold and especially up in the northern part, the southern part, um, you know, it, it's more, you know, lowland um, desert. But uh for you going from the winters to the summers, um, do you remember those well? 
Yeah. Yeah, the funny the funny thing, the seasons, especially in that part of that country, are like clockwork. Right. You know, the, the winter ends abruptly and it's spring. Yeah. The spring ends abruptly, abruptly and it's summer. Right. You know, and it's I mean, there's two percent humidity over there. So you never it's not like where I live now in the south where, you know, your your clothes are glued on to you half the time. <laughs> you know, you can't even take your shirt off. It's like, you know, <laughs> today well, I, was like that. Yeah. yeah well, well, you know, but in in it, it's odd because you go for I mean, everything about those areas is extreme. Yeah. I mean, the, the the culture can be quite extreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people can sometimes be extreme. The the weather, the climate can be extreme. Yep. You go from 110, 120, 130 degree days in the summer yep. to 30 and below in the winter. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it, whoa, it's true. <laughs> it's brutally cold and brutally hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, Eventually, your body figures it out and it adjusts to it if you stay there long enough and do and you repeat it enough times. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you get used to it after you know three or four months. But uh, yeah, springtime we always got these big hailstorms. I mean, hail would just hit the buildings like the size of cherries. Wow. Yeah, you know, speaking of which, you yeah. said you stayed in, in and you used the term cardboard, and I and you yeah, you said I don't think it was cardboard really. It was plywood, right? Um, yeah, and another camp I was at, I actually lived in a plywood building in a in a plywood closet. You know, like a medium sized clothes closet. <laughs> That's what wow. I lived in, but it was my closet. Um, you know that the yeah, communal living—that's a topic we can talk about forever. Um, you know, we, we've been talking for about an hour and a half already. Well, um, I think you and I have uh, the for for the show purposes of the show uh, we're coming up on an hour now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because my agent's in the room. You know, he said, you know. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> oh man. Um, so easy. So easy to talk. Uh, communal communal living. Uh, I mean, but that's not an uncommon thing. You know, I mean, no. depending on the contract you're on, sometimes you you know it was it was. Uh, guys have talked about it and it's like you know you get your own wet chew and some of them are pretty nice um and other times it's back to tent city so you've got that um huge wide swing and living yep. conditions that you have to adjust to uh, so there's a lot to uh, to adjust to and uh, not everybody can take it standing up right Mm-mm. especially when you know i'm an older guy now i just keep getting older i don't know why that happens but every year i'm a little bit older well you're not taking your pills i guess i don't know i was 65 this year so i'm technically a proper geezer now (laughs) well i'm going to say for the folks that are listening um we had the benefit of of video before we started this and uh, you look pretty fit for a guy that's 65 i'm just saying i know but you get sick i mean thank you very much but it's almost like yeah you look good for your age i'm like well uh What does that really mean? <laughs> what are you really hey, saying? Hey, you look good for 90. <laughs> for 30, you look like shit, but for 90, uh, you look great. <laughs> <laughs> I keep in shape. You know, it's just my my makeup. You know, I think people. Um, we talked about Wonderlust a little bit before. You know, I've always been that guy in the in the group, you know, that, you know, especially with the guys I grew up with and whatnot. I was always the crazy lunatic that would do the first thing first. And, you know, always curious to see what's on the other side of the hill but i think that's what keeps 
for me, in shape because you always want to be ready for the next thing, whatever that thing will be. Right. So, so you work out, you exercise? Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit hard in COVID now because, you know, I'm not going to go to a sweaty gym with a bunch of strangers. I don't think that's a good idea. Um, I just, you know, I just don't trust well, it's people. It's probably but. never a good idea to go into an enclosed room with a bunch of sweaty strangers. But No, no, not even good times. And I did it, you know, I do it. Just. <laughs> but uh, right. I try to okay. surf. You know, we're right by the beach here. It's beautiful where I live. Or uh, I get a boat, you know, be out in the water, do something. You know, I'll take a big, uh, I'll do PT around the neighborhood, live in this old neighborhood in Charleston. So it's mm. it's like an enclave. It's not really a cut through. It's surrounded mm. by water, you know. So there's just people, young people with their kids and, you know, people riding bikes. And it's just really, really nice here. You know, and it it's easier to, to stay outside. We're only inside really maybe three weeks out of the year, you know. Mm. Um, but that's just my, 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 my lifestyle, you know, everybody's, you know, has their thing. I always try to, you know, cause you know, you have to fight the aging process, you know, <laughs> I don't want to look like, well, I'm not even going to, I was going to say something, but I'll, I might offend some people. Uh, um, well, so yeah, you um, well, say it if you want. I mean, you know, people have said worse things. Yeah, you know, they let it slip. But, uh, you know, uh, you well, so when was the so you finished your contracting in Afghanistan, you started in Afghanistan, you finished in Afghanistan and you did that for 20 months. So what about 2013? Yeah. And then I stayed home for. God, I guess I was home for about five years. You know, life just goes by. You know, I was still running a business and, and you know, you just get involved in the day to day minutia of everything. And I've been, you know, renovating my house for like 16 years now. Uh -huh. Typical, typical contractor's house. Um, <laughs> well, so speaking of contracting, why did you stop contracting and why did you not get back into it? Is there a backstory to that? Oh, there's always a backstory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, met so many years of doing it. Um, the business is, and I always, you know, I always raised my family doing it. So I never, you know, I never always made money, but it's a very stressful business. Um, you, there's a lot of liability and, you know, in today's present, uh, environment with insurance companies and, 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 you know, and it's just, you're just your head's on the chopping block. It's it's a kind of business where it's the kind of business where you invest in a project, even if you get, you know, you get deposit money and all that stuff. But you're when you're talking about big projects, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, there's always one point in that project where you're owed substantial amounts of money. And then, you know, as a GC. You know, you have to rely on your subs and it's always playing management and trying to herd cats. And, you know, I had employees for years and I ended up firing all them eventually because my wife came home one day and told me it's either them or me. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she got mad. But that that was after years of it. And, uh, you know, I just grew up in it. I saw my father go through it and they had like 300 people to work for them when I was a kid. I mean, wow. um, it's it's. So now, now you worked overseas for more than 20 months, though, correct? Yes, I'd done other contracts overseas besides the one we've been talking about. I just 
I don't know if I'm comfortable with really getting into detail in a, on another continent, um, but. And, th and that has to do with the nature of the, uh, the contracting department or agency um, and perhaps the, uh, the operational tempo and stuff that was going on. I mean, th there's reasons why we don't want to come out and actually specifically state. Um, yeah. So it was what. So so for the folks that are listening, how many years in total did you contract overseas outside the U.S. before you called it quits? About three years. OK. And, and, and you. So when you called it quits, was it one of those things where you just woke up one day and said, man, I just I don't want to do this anymore? I mean, what was the reason for it? Um, you know, I still really like to do it. I, I got really good at it. So I don't even know if I've called. I think I'm I think I'm calling it quits just because I'm getting a little bit older now. OK. Um, for instance, my daughter got married this year and I would have missed that if I was overseas. Right. And and that kind of stuff is the only thing that really and I think it bothers anybody that does this unless you're a sociopath. <laughs> I mean, when you. <laughs> You know, when you watch, you they're know, out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. I've met a lot of them. A lot of them are in my family, by the way. But um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You miss life. You know, you miss right. life. Yeah. yeah. You I remember one time I was uh, in Afghanistan. It was uh, Christmas Eve, I think. And, uh, you know, we were using Skype then. That was a new thing. And I was uh, it was like 5:30 a.m. in the morning, and my wife skyped me, you know. So at that point, I was living in an old Malaysian embassy, some old stone, broken down building in a broken down room that looks like it was a prison at one point, hmm. with like 12 other gorillas, and you know they were snoring, ah, I was farting and snoring, all these big scary guys, and I'm sitting in the corner. So I open up the computer and my wife's at our friend's Christmas party, you know, you know, obviously it's a whole day behind there. So it was at night and they were all my wife doesn't really drink. But all these other people were like, woohoo, you know, <laughs> all hammered. I, I'm just like, you know, scraping the sleep out of my eyes. I haven't even had a cup of coffee yet. Of course, I had to be at work in about 20 minutes. But so and and one of her girlfriends walks up to me and flashes me and like the screens open, you know, I'm like fuck, I hope nobody sees this, you know? <laughs> and it was, could, did I, is it okay if, uh, you know, the FCC, I probably shouldn't be swearing, right? Yeah. Well. <laughs> I'm not going yeah, to. Sorry about that. It will not happen again. We'll bleep it out. Right. Yeah. Bleep it out before you send it out. Um, so anyway, uh, yeah, and I'm, you know, watching this virtual Christmas party. Mm. It's snowing outside, dead of winter you know, quiet. And uh, it was just the weirdest feeling shutting that screen down, putting my boots on and going out and walking across to the case band, you know, for the morning right. meeting. And it was just another day over there. Right. Just another day. You know, it's interesting. My wife would, would, would make, you know, comments, of, you know, like, you know, try to, you know, I'm not, I guess trying to uh understand it and 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 uh, socially politely you know you know find out about that and, and that was typically my response it's just just another day you know because here in the states it's thanksgiving or it's christmas or it's 
Fourth of July or whatever, and and I'm like, well, eh, just another day. <laughs> it is every you know, day is another day. It, it is, um, you know, and, and that you, you you come to accept that after a while. If and if you can't accept those things, if you can't live with those things uh, and deal with them, um, you got to get out. And and it sounds like uh, to some extent anyway, that was one of the reasons, uh, like so many of us, you got out. In addition to other things. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a big thing. I mean, and, and everybody always looks at you when you leave like you're you're crazy because, you know, you're giving up a really good job, let's face it, right? monetarily. And, uh, you know, once you get, you know, in these places, I mean, I could have stayed, especially in the last gig, for probably five more years if I wanted to, you know. I could have just, you know, I mean, made all kinds of money. But, uh, you know, life goes fast. And... Uh, you miss a lot of it, you know, right. you get home and, you know, you get home to your your town or your city and uh, a lot of things change, you know. And uh, I mean, that's life. I mean, you can't be in all places at once. Right. I mean, you can't, you know, be on an adventure and be home at the same time. But, uh, you know, my kids are at the age where they're getting older and they were you know, thinking about getting married and things like that. And, you know, and you miss, uh, you know, college graduations or whatever. I see a lot of guys over there have little kids. Mm. You know, I respect them for it because, you know, they're supporting their families. Um, but uh, it's not easy. You know, I was, you know, again, I, I almost did that, but I wanted to see my kids grow up. Right. Of course, I would have retired a lot earlier because, you know, I probably would have stayed there for 10 years and just, <laughs> you know, that's another thing with these gigs. I mean, it's it's a it's a strange thing that but a lot of these people, uh, people we know, you know, do what we do or did. I've met so many of them that were over there because they were broke. Mm. They had no money at all, but they had, you know a wife in the Philippines and one in Thailand. <laughs> wow. You know, it, yeah. it's kind of like that, that culture. They, uh, a lot of these men go over there that didn't have anything home. And, uh, you know, didn't have any relationships home. A lot of people do a lot of people, let's face it. A lot of people end up doing these things because they just don't, they burnt their bridges. So they're just happy to be somewhere thousands of miles away. There's mm. nothing to come home to. I, I've heard that story. You know, all, all the, the story was always once you got to one of these places, somebody would ask you how you got there. <laughs> and there was always a backstory behind it. And, you know, there were people that were just like us that, you know, really enjoyed the, you know, the experience of seeing the world and. And, you know, supporting our families, just as simple as that, you know, and didn't want to do what we were. It's an opportunity, but I find a lot of sad stories over there with people. Some of them were pretty funny, actually. But, right. but why, you know, why you end up in a place in, <laughs> where, you know, most well, people uh, would go. Yeah, a common one is kind of like, well, why did you go there? What what drew you? What brought you over here? I mean, yeah, right. you know, what were you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> it couldn't I, have been good, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. 
Right. I had a bad business partner. I figured before I, you know, it'd probably be a good idea for me, me to be, you know, 9,000 away, miles away from him, safer. Right, right. But um, Safer for somebody anyway, right? Yeah, not for me, but definitely for him. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let me ask you so you, since we're there uh, you know uh, what um so you haven't been contracting overseas in a while so things have changed so uh what you know what's different now what's changed if you haven't already talked about it what's changed what's different um and what you know what are some of your plans for the future well um i got home from the last gig and i was home for the summer, this is, uh, what, are, what are you in 20 now? I guess it was 19. I lose track, but so I spent this summer here. So it was last summer. And then one of my, um, my ex, my, my, one of my friends that, uh, contracted with a friend of mine that I met over there, ex military, great guy. We still talk every couple of weeks, known him for years now called me and uh, actually set me up with an interview with a company out west to run a big project out there. So I haven't really been home. I got home and then I ended up in Las Vegas for almost six months. Hmm. Um, So that was, it wasn't, you know, for the military, but it was equally as crazy. Um, So I spent I wasn't home. They flew me home every couple of weeks if I wanted to come home, you know, flying from almost the West Coast to the East Coast, you know, in a weekend on a weekend. That's complete mm. insanity. You get mm. home for dinner, then you got to leave again. Wow. Um, so I did do that thing. So that was almost like, you know, it was still a, a contracting gig where I wasn't home. I had a, a place and, you know, ran a project in a foreign country. I mean, Las Vegas. But it was kind of like a foreign country. <laughs> you know, I've heard that a few times now recently. Uh, but what's up with that? <laughs> oh, man. Especially East Vegas. East Las Vegas huh. is like not it's away from the strip. And it's like we're all the all the people that time forgot live. Huh. And uh, a lot of them look like they wandered off Area 51. You know, they escaped. Well, maybe. It's out you know, there. <laughs> some crazy looking people out there. Or their ancestors fell off the stage, you know. Yeah. There, was, there was nothing in, you know, Vegas huh. until gambling. Right. It's a valley, you know, ringed with mountains. And it's hotter than hell out there in the summer. I got out there in August. It was like 120 degrees. Wow. I mean, you're talking about serious heat. Right. Uh, yeah, it was. And you don't sweat because it's so dry, you know. Right. So you get dehydrated. Yeah. But, and if you're not paying attention, you don't realize it until it's too late. But, yeah, because you're so dry that the oh. the, the sweat evaporates basically, you know, as it rises to the surface of your skin. You don't even you don't even realize you're sweating because you're really not. I mean, you're perspiring, but it's like, boom, gone. Yep. It was always kind of like Kabul in the summer, you know, not right. that different in climate. Right. Um, right. Maybe a little bit hotter. But uh, mm. so I did that and I finished the project up, completed it. It was a one point two million dollar project. So it wasn't it wasn't small, wasn't huge, but got back. And then the fi- the fires in the out west in California uh, put their production schedule on hold, you know, because things everything was burning down out there. They were they were waiting. 
So I stayed home for the couple of months. They called me again to go back, you know, and continue working somewhere out west and running their projects. And you know what? At that point, it was 3,000 miles away. We've been married for almost 40 years. Mm. At this point in my life, I should be sleeping in the same bedroom as my wife, you know. <laughs> <laughs> At least most of the time. <laughs> Even though we don't sleep because, she, you know, we, we, you know, we get up and I got to pee and, you know, roll over the house. More. <laughs> is, it, um, is it the old age thing again? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you do. Age is a factor. You do change, <laughs> you know. I mean, whether you like it or not, you know. Uh, but. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's it's I'm getting to the point, you know, I'm on I'm just, you know, I'm I'm going to I'm collecting Medicare now. You know, I mm. mean, that's what happens when you hit 65. You know, it's an insurance. OK, cheap insurance. Okay. Cheaper, cheaper, cheaper. Right. Yeah. And, and honestly, that was always an issue being self-employed because, you know, it's expensive to be self-employed. Right. Oh, There's yeah. A lot of overhead and you always have to worry about it. Yep. So I'm at a different point in my life now. I mean, I really like to travel and, 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 you know, it's still I still have that thing. I've had job offers in Antarctica Mm. and uh, my wife still thinks I'm going to go, you know, because I'm crazy enough to do something like that. You know, it's just a continent that most people don't go to. Right. You know, know, I've known a couple of guys that have that have worked up in the northern part of Alaska. I mean, in terms of work for uh, contracting. Yeah. And and then they the Arctic and the Antarctic. It's like, whoa. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know if I I mean, part of me would like <laughs> to give it a shot and see what it's yeah. like. They'd be kind of cool. But, um, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, you couldn't go outside those facilities without donning your protective equipment every time. Oh, yeah. It's like working on Mars. Basically, you can't, right. leave, you know. God forbid you have a health problem or whatever. You're not going anywhere. They're not airlifting you out of there. Right. You can't leave there. So, you know, you better be pretty psychologically healthy, you know. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, I think most people don't understand that. I mean, it, it, it's a little bit more extreme than what we've uh, done, you know, yeah. where we've been. But um, uh, because you are that isolated, you and, and for roughly three or four months out of the year, nobody goes in or out. Nope. <laughs> Nope. Nope. You better like the people you're working with. I'll tell you that. <laughs> they get very dicey. Oh man. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. You know, and if the, if 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 I if they ship me down there, if I ended up, I don't know. Right. I'm not decided, but I'll be running the power systems and things like that. Mm. You can't make a mistake. Right. Or people turn into popsicles. Right. So oh, no yeah. pressure there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The insulation only lasts for so long, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's immediate, you know, when it's 60, 70 degrees below zero. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm probably getting too old for it. You know, we'll see. And then, uh, you know, with this with this pandemic and, and I know you're probably everybody's sick of talking about it. I'm not going to talk about it, really. But my wife begged me to stay home mm. in March. I was running a big project here. And uh you know, it's just the unknown. You know, I'm not I'm right. not I'm not going to beat a dead horse with it because I know everybody is sick of talking about it. But I did lose a friend. So, you know, got to think about it. Right. I don't right. 30. Anymore. Well, you know, I'll leave it at that, you know. But right. uh, 
I don't know. I mean, I'm really enjoying staying home and cooking. You know, we cook every night. Got a nice big Italian stove. I, uh, I made these pork chops last night. Oh, my God. They were so good. <laughs> so good. I'll the joys the of being home. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I got a nice so, here. No. So speaking of which, um, as we, um, you know, I hate to do this, but uh, we kind of do need to wrap this up here pretty soon. Oh, yeah. No, uh, that's why I asked you before. Don't. You know. Oh, man. Well, I mean, we could technically go on all day, but I don't think everybody wants to listen to that all day. Um, no. <laughs> uh, so for everyone who's listening, I mean, you're a man of experience and, uh, uh, you know, you've got some good stories. And uh, before I forget, I do want to ask, um, I'm hoping that you'd be available for coming back and doing this again for another episode, because there's a lot of stories, and a lot of stuff we could talk about and that we that, that, that could come up later right absolutely um you know uh i've got tons of stuff i actually wrote a book on it i had to plug that but oh that's fine out. you know and, and you were going to present me some material that never materialized uh, I, will. I will but yeah um but speak so okay so before we before we actually you know wrap it up uh go ahead and put that put that shameless plug out there for your book <laughs> Well, it's going to be called Life in a Box. It'll probably be out in 21. We'll okay. see. You know, so it's done. Life in a know, box. Life in a box. It's just like the kind of life that we've that we're, we've been talking about. So nonfiction. Well, it's nonfiction until I ran out of material and then I just made stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> but you made up some good stuff, though, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. OK. All yeah, right. lots of good dream sequences and, you know, stuff like that. You know, the crazy dreams you have. Okay. I just made a reality. <laughs> life in a box. Well, you know, that's kind of what our life was. Um, uh, but it, so for the folks that are listening, uh, as we bring this to a close, uh, can you would you like to impart uh, a pearl of wisdom or, or a final thought or something to keep in mind? Yes. Appreciate the little things in life because they're very important. They're important. It's you, you consider it a luxury to have a, a, a warm house, good food and friends around and, and things like that, because, you know, you they're just not a given, you know, and right. uh you know, and, and, and you, most of the world is not as lucky as we are. You know, most people live very hard. They live hand to mouth, the majority of the planet. So, you know, the next time you complain that your Starbucks wasn't, you know, what you ordered or I've actually heard people do that. I want to punch them, but. <laughs> <laughs> and they're angry about it. Yeah. It's like some real, you know, real drama, you know. Right. Yeah. You know, just appreciate the little things. Right. That's my advice. That's a good one, man. I mean, that that it sounds it doesn't sound like much. But when you stop and and back up and think about it and uh, look outside your little world, you realize, you know, it is oftentimes the little things that make and break us. So, mm -hmm. yeah, nice. exactly. Well, I want to thank uh, thank my guest for this episode, uh, Steve Luisi, for uh, again taking his time and sharing his his uh, his experiences with us, and uh, we'll have him on another time. Uh, in the meantime, folks, be careful what you wish for. Uh, it's not always greener on the other side. Nothing is guaranteed.
So stay frosty, stay safe, and until next time, keep it real.